As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Uh, wow, Aaron Portstein here in Columbus. We've got Allison Lucan with us. Hello. And Tom Reed with us. Hello. Blue Jackets Bruins tonight, and the Blue Jackets can clinch a playoff spot. if They beat the Bruins tonight. And anyway... And if the Montreal Canadiens lose in regulation to Tampa Bay tonight, the Blue Jackets have secured a playoff spot for a third straight season. Uh, Obviously a franchise mark. They hadn't done it two years in a row before last year. Um, I think the the, uh, object still is to get that first wild card instead of the second. The Blue Jackets have a one-point lead over Carolina for that. Uh, and all of this is a reward for their stellar play these last uh, eight days or so. Five and zero, oh, the five-game winning streak, their longest in a, a couple of months. They have outscored the opponents twenty-four to four in that span, including uh, yet another shutout win in Buffalo on Sunday. Tom Reed was at that game. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing them uh, win uh, the night before a a stellar outing in Nashville, which is not an easy place to play. Uh, It sure feels like all that they have waited uh, to come together is starting uh, to come together. And the one thing that stands out to me, being in Vancouver after they had lost that awful game in Edmonton, Hearing Yarmo Kekalainen and break it down and with with a great clarity, saying his team is not playing as a team. They look like they're playing as a team now. The lines are starting to make sense. Uh, the deep airs are making sense. But beyond that, there seems to be a cohesiveness and a, a, a connectiveness in the way that they're playing. You don't see players flying the zone trying to create offense. Part of that is offensive confidence. You see players always having an outlet with the puck always having puck support. Uh, it feels like this is starting to click 
uh, at just the right time for the first real time, I think, this season, certainly since the trade deadline. Uh, and Allison, when you look at this team and you see that the way they're playing or have played here in the last five games, uh, what are you seeing out of this group? Yeah, and to to your first point there, Porty, uh, they've only won five games straight one other time this season, and that was when they closed out December. Uh, Vegas, New Jersey, at Philly, at, at the Devils, and at the Rangers. Um, but that yep. was the only other time. Um, but yes, I think that to your point, there's – there's a synergy, there's a chemistry that's developing and, and, you know, we can, there are numbers that we can look at and things like that. But, you know, so much of what I think plays into being really good at hockey is that hockey sense and making good reads and trusting the reads that you're making and trusting the reads that your teammate is making. And, and to me, that's one of the underpinnings of this kind of playing as a team or five connected or playing as a unit of five, all those concepts they seem to be really comfortable with each other. And I think that's a a big part of what loosens up a player to play the the way that they want to and are able to play is when you know you can make the pass, but you also know you're making the right pass and you also know your teammate is going to make the proper read to receive the pass you make. Um, That's a lot more of what I'm seeing. Tom, chime in here. You saw that game in Buffalo. Not a great game played by the home team but the blue jackets it, it looked authoritative which is a word i used the night before in nashville too they look like they they look like a bit of a buzzsaw yeah and to i think allison hit on to me of all these buzzwords that you're talking about there's one word that allison used twice that is absolutely what what i see is trust you guys trust each other they they trust the what they're doing now as opposed to some of the stuff you saw Maybe after the trade deadlines, when the lines started jumbling around again, uh, uh, we'll go back to the first, uh, the Edmonton, the first Edmonton debacle, where the first pairing was Seth Jones and Scott Harrington. Where again, these were new partners. There was so much, th- so many things going around, going on with them. And this team looks like it trusts each other. The players look like they trust each other, as you mentioned. The lines make sense, and. Yeah, yesterday was a game that, you know, the classic, what you would think was might be a trap game, game was over in 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, granted, uh, the Sabres are god-awful right now. Uh, one, I think, one twelve and 2 or something, and they, they just, they look awful. But you know what? The Blue Jackets got in there, got the win, and that was their third game in four nights. They obviously have a big game tonight against Boston. Yep. And nobody played more than 23 minutes. I mean, it was a, it was not only a, a decisive win, but it was one where nobody really had to overextend themselves. Mark, if you had Marcus Nudevara in your poll as the guy who would play the most minutes, <laughs> congratulations to you. Uh, yeah. Every forward played 13 and a half minutes yep. at least. Yep. It was just a very comfortable game where John Tortorella was able to roll four lines, three D pairs. He, he was without Zach Wierenski for a few minutes. But Renski came back into the game. So that bodes well going into tonight's game uh, against Boston, which, let's be honest, is as to, to what your point was at the beginning, Aaron, about trying to get that first wild card spot. I think tonight is, is huge. I think Carolina has, they're on the road to Toronto. Is that correct? I believe so. And so, and then the, b- both teams, Carolina and the Blue Jackets, have fairly easy last two games. 
So I, you know, something can turn definitely turn tonight uh, with where these where these these games go. One thing I think is really interesting, and we're starting to see it, is it's a curse to talk about lines because the moment you do, they change. Um, but there have each line has sort of taken a turn in carrying this team through certain games. Now the Panarin line, now with Duchesne uh, between Panarin and Cam Atkinson, was incredible in Nashville. Uh, Panarin especially was just mind-bending in, in Nashville. Uh, and Dubois didn't do much. Dubois' line didn't do much. And then Sunday night against Buffalo, Dubois and that line was was really, really good. Um, Anderson has had games. I think it was the Vancouver game where he was just exceptional. Uh, he's had games where he's taken over. Um, the Montreal outing, we, we spoke about this last Friday, but Bjorkstrand and that line had two big goals. So it's coming from a lot of different from a lot of different angles here, um, and they're doing it with some some guys banged up, especially on the back end. Uh, Ryan Murray still out indefinitely. Maybe he's able to give it a go in the playoffs. Um, I would suspect this is going to be a big week for him in terms of uh, joining the group for practice if he's able to do that. Uh, Adam McQuaid, we suspect he has a concussion after the. A blow to the head from Andrew Shaw in the Montreal game. He hasn't played since then. Um, And yet, the one guy that's really risen up, there's two guys on the back end that have risen up. David Savard is the guy you're all familiar with. But I think Dean Kukan, his play, has really, really been eye-opening here for the last week or so. He doesn't look small anymore. He doesn't look overwhelmed in his own zone. He looks like he wants the puck and he wants to make a difference with the puck. Are you guys seeing this as well? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been a huge Kukan fan since last season. Um, I really liked his game last year um, in time that he played with David Savard. And, you know, he was, he was one of my kind of stock rising guys uh, in my article last week and only didn't get more because it was such little ice time since the deadline. You want to be careful there with how much value you place in numbers when you look at those But, uh, you you know, here's the thing. He and Harrington give this, each give this team a very different look. We all know, you know, Scotty Harrington, and good for him. He's earned his spot into this lineup. But that's a more defensively minded guy. And, you know, for me, I I like what Dean Kukan brings. He brings that drive from the back end, north-south play. And he, he did look nervous to start the season, but but he's come into that as, I mean, we were saying the same thing about Oliver Bjorkstrand a, wh- a while ago. So um, I think that with the way this team wants to play, um, he, he's fitting in really nicely. Now the, the trick is going to be with McQuaid out because we know that the playoffs bring some new wrinkles to the game. Um, and first and foremost, we hope for the health of the player above anything else. But it'll be interesting to see if they continue to swap in and out Kukan and Harrington if McQuaid or Murray is able to return or how that plays out based on the look they want to give if they get into the postseason. Now, I find it interesting, Allison, uh, we're all saying Kukan. Yes. And I got to, we got to give it the voice from Fox Sports Ohio because they've been saying Kukan. And it changed it mid-trip. And, of course, with someone whose last name varies by one letter, I'm very curious about the correct pronunciation Um I have learned as well. Lucan apparently has like eight different pronunciations. So I'm deadly curious to find out what the reality is from, from Dean. That's where I was going. Cause perhaps you're Lucan. 
Well, it, it apparently, like in Germany, we're Lucan, and over here, we're Lucan. I, I, I don't even know anymore. I go with whatever people say. Lukenbach, Texas. <laughs> um, the news from the Blue Jackets on Monday, Andrew Peake, a uh, second-round draft pick a few years back uh, and a Notre Dame player the last three seasons, has signed a three-year entry-level contract. He is coming to Columbus to burn that first year. This is all the rage now in in uh, among college players who used to used to just be um, how to say this nicely, sort of excited by the chance to play in the NHL, and now they're wanting more and more to dictate their uh, situations. If if Peak had continued to play at Notre Dame and and played four years, he could have declared himself a free agent, as so many other guys. Have done. I think it has to wait till mid-August. Um, remember, Mike Riley did this to the Blue Jackets. Ended up signing in Minnesota. Um, Peak by signing now is in the fold for the Blue Jackets. Uh, but he, when next season starts, he'll be already in the second year of his entry-level deal. Um, I don't see a situation of him coming to Columbus. I don't think this has any likelihood of him playing. Um, but I mean, he's a body available should they have a bunch of injuries and, and who knows if they clinch and there's nothing that can be, um, taken care of with that last game of the season or the last two games in New York or Ottawa, uh, perhaps they do like they did with Eric Robinson last season to get him into a lineup. Oh, Gabriel Carlson, buddy. Gabriel Carlson. That was a different situation. And what was that situation? Well, he was coming from Europe. Oh, okay. Not he got right into the lineup, though, didn't he? Oh, I think he played in the playoffs. Well, he yes, did. He, he, he Harrington started, remember? They started the first Extensively. I think by the end of the playoffs, he had played more playoff games than regular season games. <laughs> oh, he, he, he absolutely did. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, Merzlikens arrived. Elvis Merzlikens, you'll know him as. He arrived in Columbus on Sunday. He is officially here he's been on the roster for about 10 days now um and i he's gonna work off on the side with mania legacy i don't think there was anything scheduled for today i poked around and didn't seem there would be um more news on monday sergey Bobrovsky. i don't know where he keeps all these awards because he's won this thing a boatload of times he's the nhl's first star of the week uh i think news could come down today or tomorrow uh wednesday that he is he's I would certainly think he's a candidate for player of the month, too, after the marks that he had. Uh, so something to keep an eye on. And this is an interesting wrinkle. Zach Dalpy, uh, of course, the Ohio State product, is the AHL first star of the week. What a day for the organization uh, Monday was to have both Bobrovsky, the NHL player of the week, and the AHL player of the week in Dalpy. I can't imagine that's happened too many times. And my first thought and a chuckle was, I wonder if Yarmo Kekalainen and Bill Zito get $10,000 bonuses for this, uh, much like an athletic director at Ohio State would. Any comment on anybody? Crickets? Crickets? On them getting paid extra money or on the accolades? <laughs> uh, no, on them getting paid. Um, here's here's a, a thought I wanted to get to. In time, you wrote a piece about it coming out of the Buffalo game. Um, Zach Wierenski has taken some bullets this year. Early on, deservedly so, because I'm not sure what the hell he was doing defensively. Um, that seems to have been fixed, and an all-around game now has emerged. 
Um, what do you see different in the kid? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I do think he's 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 become a more all around player, and maybe a little bit uh, when you know, you know, by December and maybe early January, that was probably for the healthy Zach Rensky was probably his worst stretch in the NHL. Right? I mean, it's just things were not going well. He just looked lost. I think he we actually described we we were talking to him one day. Craig Mers and I, and he described himself. I, I'm just really all over the place a little bit. And so when the kid's saying that, um, I think what he has understood is that they expect a lot of him and they just don't want him to be an offensive player. They don't want him to be, I'll throw the name out a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, who's been made a living for years, just playing one way and a really good one way player, but they want him to be a two way player. And one of the things I think we've all, when we've been around that kid, he is a big kid. And they don't expect him to necessarily be knocking everybody over, but they want him to use his frame and to just be a little stronger, a bit more competitive. And that's what I've seen. I've seen a player who's been more competitive. He's probably left some points on the table, maybe in January and February, when he was really focused on the defensive end. All right, let me get this part of it, my game corrected first. And the points have come... More recently, he's starting to play better. And I do think you see a, a more confident player. Uh, and that's really important, especially if Ryan Murray is, is not going to come back. And it, right now, as you mentioned, it's going to be a huge week for him if he's going to get back for the start of the playoffs. But it's at least a little bit comfort to the organization that they know they have that number one pairing. And Savard, as you mentioned, has been playing pretty well. Nudovar has been playing a little bit better. So they have those top four defensemen. But I think that's been a, a significant development over the last two months of him being a better all-around player. Yeah. And I think the defensive part, I mean, as soon as he's – almost as soon as he tried to start cleaning it up, the effort got better. Um, yes. The look got better. The one thing that does the kid no favors, and John Tortorella talked about this maybe a month or so ago, there is a natural nonchalance about him. Um, yeah. it's, it's of uh, uh, Wierenski, and it's going back for pucks. It's in situations where he feels like he's in control, and there's times where you, you get the sense from people in the building, hurry up a bit. Like, <laughs> are, are you in control? Like, take don't take it this easy, kid. What are you doing? Um, do, do you do you see that? Am I the only? I don't. Uh, John Tortorella sees it. I've seen it too. And I get that sense from people in the building all the time. Like, does he recognize the urgency of the situation? <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's a situation where it's it's both a blessing and a curse, right? You can slow the game down, uh, especially on the offensive end, and it's like, wow, how can, you know the great ones slow the games down? But yeah, there's times where like, let's go. Well, right? but isn't uh, and I go ahead. Isn't Allison. it isn't it funny that I mean. I totally know what you're saying, Porty, and, and I, I have felt myself thinking it too. But remember, this is the player who, in his rookie season, what we were saying was, look at how composed he is out there. Look at right. his patience. He's not rattled by being in his first year in the best league in the world. And now it's, oh, he's too nonchalant. I mean, it's just funny to me, the evolution of, of the interpretation when it's the element of his play has been there all along, right? So it's, yeah. it, it is, I, I see it, I get it, but I also think to Tom's point, and Tom illustrated this beautifully in his piece from the Buffalo game, I think that assist that he provided 
shows where his game is at now. It was an offensive play, but it was a physical, determined, push-through play that required more than just offensive skill to make it happen. It was a great gift, by the way. Oh, GIF, yes. GIF, whatever the hell it is. Oh, well, I want to point one other thing out. This is to your point, Aaron, but it's to, it's to the positive. It's the other end of it. He made a play last night, and I, I wish I would have wrote down the time of it. I described it in my story where he's going back on the pocket. He's got a guy right on his ass and he does this little fake move to the left and the guy's gone and he spins right. And just, I don't know if it was to Jones or maybe the, the lowest forward and they are out of the zone. That is a play. Not a lot of defensemen can make. He's got that escapability that I don't think you can teach, but to your point, (laughs) there are still moments where, and, and I don't know if that will ever leave part of his game. I don't know if you can say, turn it on right now. And okay, right now, you need poise, kid. Do you need poise? That's something that just you might have to live with in his game as long as he's competing hard on pucks. Yeah. And it's never when he has, when he has the puck, it's like, damn, this kid's cool. Like he's so smooth and everything's under control. It's when he doesn't have the puck or it's a foot race. Even when he has like a five foot lead on somebody. It's well, just, just a calm there that's almost too calm. Sometimes. Well, there was the ultimate the ultimate example, of course, was in Toronto in December, which I thought was maybe if you picked one low point in Zach's career was the play that John Tavares, who's like 15 feet behind him, yeah. is coming down for a rebound and Zach is in. He could not be in better position. And Zach just like, OK, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to go. Oh, oh, John's here. Oh, oh, he oh John's get to it. Yeah. Right. Now I think you would see if that same play happened. I think you would see Renski knock the guy down or take a penalty or whatever. He's better in that way. But I, I again, he's 21 years old. That's the other thing we got to remember. Oh, I, I know. I mean, it's it's uh, it is it's amazing to watch him. But I think overall, I think it's it's a it, it, this will help him down the road. I, I, I'm totally. convinced that he probably maybe left 15, 16 points. Maybe that's too much on the table this year where he just had the blinders on. Let's, let's just focus on the defense. He went 30 games without a goal. Right. I mean, and uh, now in fairness, he had a streak last year, but I think in the long run, he will be a better player for having gone through this this year and getting him to play the way. And you know who else is like that? We t- we, and, and we've all talked, sung his praises recently. Oliver Bjorkstrand, right? It was like, oh, if he could only be a little more competitive, just a little more competitive, right? right. Off, away from the puck. And you see the way Bjorkstrand's playing. He's not killing anybody, but he's yeah. at least, he's in there. And it is amazing in hockey when you get a little little dirty, how all of a sudden it helps your offensive game for some reason. I and don't know. Bjorky just gets, he gets Mr. Build like once a night. And he gets up, though. But he always, he always springs right back up. It's like he's built out of, Elastic or something. He's but 167 yeah. pounds. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. And you see him get buried by two guys in the corner, like oh, and then yeah. oh, he sprung back into shape again. Look at him. Full, full credit to the player. He's he's had a terrific uh, second half, just like you guys are saying. And Allison pointed this out in her in her piece of this the stock. The guys all the stock up right now. I mean, what a what a season he's had. And I don't know. It's it's. Uh, it's impressive to see, and, and we you mentioned this a week or two ago. Where was that push from those younger guys, that next level? Yeah. Well, there's Bjorkstrand right there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so Blue Jackets, Bruins tonight from Nationwide. This game is on NBC Sports. Kenny Albert and Brian Boucher will have the call. 
Uh, Bill Davidge will have a nice night at the rink. Uh, they're going to honor him. There's going to be a bunch of people flown in for the game that are close to him. Uh, he will be honored, I believe, on the ice. Am I correct there? I think I've heard something to that effect. We'll see. I'm... Yeah. And, of course, Bill may still work some more games. When the Blue Jackets uh, clinch a playoff spot, the locals still get to do some of the first-round games. So uh, he has not spent his last day behind the microphone. I've also heard rumor that when the Blue Jackets celebrate their 20th season, that they could uh, try to, at least for a game, bring back the original radio. Oh, wow. Wow. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Big fella, big dog, big cat. Stop uh, it right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stop it. What do, we, what do we have here, Billy? Um, Blue Jackets, Bruins, what are you expecting from this affair? The Bruins are kind of locked in here. I think they yeah. really, they're hosting uh, the Maple Leafs in the first round. Um, I'm not sure what all they have to play for, but that's a hell of a hockey team, Tom. Oh, it's yeah, it's a, it's a terrific team. That's going to be a hell of a series. I mean, that's going to be one of the marquee first round series. Of course, with whoever the Blue Jackets play, obviously. But if if I'm if I'm a neutral here and looking away from Columbus and whether it's Washington or Tampa Bay or whatever, that's the series I'm focused on because that's going to be a great series. Uh, yeah, Boston can bring the funk when they're when they're got their game going, and uh, you know it's it's. One of the things is like we look back in this last couple of weeks, and I think we were all like, they got to start winning games to get. They got to start stringing wins together. How many times did we say that? Like, if they're going to make it, they got to start stringing wins together. That Boston game was one of the ones, the home game, where they just just buried the Bruins. I mean, it got a little it got a little nervy there toward the at the end, but uh, yeah. just that was one of the games that really kind of got this thing going. Was against Boston, and they played very well against Boston in defeat. And getting a point out of that game, and uh, we, we, we all talked at that time that point could be very valuable, and it still could be very valuable come uh, this weekend. Allison, uh, no, I think you covered it. Um, well, I had something. Well, yeah, we know Boston can come from behind. Uh, certainly, Toronto should know that. Mm. Just watching that the other night again, someone had put together a. A, a highlight reel of that game. That what year was that? Was that twenty? It was. It was Torch's last year in New York. It was two thousand thirteen. Two thousand thirteen. Phil Kessel still with the Maple Leafs. They're up four to one in a game seven. Oh my god! With like eleven minutes left. Oh yeah. Something something crazy. It wasn't like it was like they were down four one in the first period. It was like four oh, to one god. with like eleven or twelve minutes left. And remember, they kept showing. I think the game was in Boston. Am I correct? Yes, and they had all the fans uh, out <laughs> in front of, of uh, the arena in Toronto, and that huge oh, plaza just man. packed. And there's, remember, there was like one Boston fan in the crowd, and like at the end, people are getting you know gifts and video of that one Boston fan. It was it was. Oh my goodness! And and of course, I mean, if 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 people are following or or reading Toronto stuff, I mean, no Maple Leaf fan wants this matchup again. Not a single one. They they bounced well, them last they year. Oh, they've got it. Yeah, they they've got it. And Boston is they are, like Porty said they are a good team. That that oh, yeah. line right that that top line Ooh. with Pasternak back now. Pasternak is he's back. Yeah, he just he got back a couple games ago. Did he not? Yeah, he's David back. Pasternak. I mean that is it. We talked for a good stretch of this season of how good uh, the Panarin uh, Kim Atkinson 
And Dubois line at the time was, that's one of the better lines in the league. Oh, my goodness. When those, those three guys play together. And Marshawn is just, you know, he's just sharpening his talons right now. Was waiting, biding his time. Yeah. Maybe for Morgan Riley or somebody. Oh. oh, what a series that'll be. Yeah, and he's already started sort of punking the Maple Leafs via Twitter. That was a couple weeks ago. He had a, a wise crack. Um, Blue Jackets Bruins tonight. Anything else we need to get to here? Oh, wait a minute. What about Wednesday? What's there's oh. a big event Wednesday in Columbus? Oh, that's what we need to get to. Yeah. There you go, big boy. After the glue, after the glow of the uh, Bruins Blue Jackets, join us, won't you? Register first, though. At uh, we'll be at the High Banks Distillery, the much uh, the long-awaited meetup. For athletic subscribers, we do appreciate you. We want to say thank you in person. Six uh, thirty to eight thirty at High Bank Distillery. That is an, on Good Ale in Grandview. Great place. Yes, it is. And these are the these are the fine folks that tried to lure um, Panarin to town with with to stay in town with the promise of free booze. So you know it's good. Um, <laughs> come on out and join us. We we'll have people from Athletic Cleveland there. Talking Ohio State football and basketball, talking about the Cleveland Browns, talking all of the stuff that the athletic crew soccer, Andrew King's going to be there. Andrew King, crew soccer, all of the stuff that, that Cleveland and Columbus cover with uh, the athletics. So I'm not sure. Will Cincinnati be represented there at all? I don't think so. I I think they are. I think they'll probably have their own one, hopefully. And that, that's a great group of guys and yeah. gals and ladies and women there as well. Yeah. Uh, nice safe time. So, I, I, it took me like four words to get to the I, where I was born. Oh, we're it, aware. <laughs> yeah. uh, so hop on the athletic site, register. We've all sent out links on original tweets on Twitter. Um, so click there and just just say who's coming and how many. I met a couple of cool dudes in uh, Nashville that are planning to come. So I'm on high alert for them. And there'll be uh, at least 100 people, maybe some more there. So it should be a good time. Um, please register. We'd like, like to uh, see you and like to meet you. Um, uh, without anything else, I'll bid you all farewell. See you tonight out at the rink, perhaps. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. And we will talk to you all on Friday. 